This message is from Icon, from Community, Icon Church. Community Church. Icon is a church located in Metro located Atlanta. Located in Metro Atlanta. Seeks to be defined by grace, grace, grace community, community, and, and renewal. renewal. Community and renewal. For more information, please visit our website at iconcommunitychurch.org. At iconcommunitychurch.org. Or follow us on Facebook. Instagram. A Twitter. Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Today, as we come to the close of our series, God is on the attributes of God, it made me kind of step back and think, what's one of the most important things about God that I in my life have been grateful for? And it's the same thing I've been thankful for when things are chaotic or when tragedy strikes or just when the stabilizing people in my life seem to shift. And that is that we have a God who is steadfast, that we have a God who is unshakable when everything else is shaking, a God who is certain when everything else is up in the air, that when I've been afraid, when hope has been hard to find, when people are not dependable, that God is always a sure thing. And as we think about this last year and all of the uncertainty even of our future, It seems fitting that we would end this series on God's attributes, being reminded of a God who is steadfast, a God who is an anchor for our souls in the midst of uncertainty, in the midst of chaos, and in the midst of confusion. There are many different things that we strive to find that stability in. It is kind of our human nature that we are always in this state of trying to find something that we can stand upon that is firm. But in our time together today, I'm just going to have us spend time on two of those main areas, two areas where we commonly seek security and these areas that fail us. And that is our plans and other people. So with that, we're going to jump in and let's start with this idea that our God is steadfast even when our plans fail us. Whether these are plans that we have made out of wisdom and a lot of time and planning, or if they're just plans of this is just what's next in life. Things just don't always happen the way that we think, the way that we anticipate, or in terms of what we've set into place. I'm a planner. I find peace and settledness and things being mapped out well. But this isn't just a struggle for me or someone like me. Because even if you don't fancy yourself a planner, you're a little bit more of a free spirit, you go with the flow, there are always things that we have an idea of, things that we have mapped out, or just things that we have a strong hope for. Plans in and of themselves are not bad. They're actually really good if they're held in the right way. Plans enable us to progress in life, to be wise with our time and our money and our resources and even with other people. Plans help us have order and structure in times of chaos. They give us things to look forward to when we're going through things that are difficult. Plans help us meet the challenges of life with a level of preparation. Our lives really function through plans. But too often, plans can be a place where we are relying more fully on our strength, our ideas, and our desires. 
And plans can easily become not just something we kind of lean upon, but something that we fully place our own hope and assurance in. And when those plans are then uprooted, our response is a really good indication of how tightly we were holding them. When our plans are altered, it can be disorienting, jarring, and overwhelming. But once you've had time to adjust, are there times when you are just still so devastated and it feels like everything has fallen apart because of that? Plans failing can be disappointing, but it should never completely rock the fullness of our world and who we are. This was supposed to be the next phase of my life, but now that's not even possible. This was what I was looking forward to, but now there's nothing there. I had security in this coming next, and now all of that is gone. This was a rhythm of my life that kind of tethered me, and now that is stripped away. While plans failing, can be disappointing, and at times will require a period of grieving. Many of us are grieving losses from plans just from this last year. But if we're God, if we belong to God, then our plans failing us should never completely upend our world. For if it does, you have placed more trust in your plans than in God. Proverbs 19.21 says, Many plans are in a person's heart, but the Lord's decree will prevail. Proverbs 16.9 says, A person's heart plans his way, but the Lord determines his steps. God knows. We kind of see here that we're planners. And as we have said, there's good in that. But if we hold them too tightly, they're going to become an idol. And then when they fail, it will shake us. When plans are halted and fail, what is exposed is our dependence. That while we may work through adjusting and grief, we need not completely lose our footing because unchanged in the midst of changing plans is a God who is never surprised, who never needs to regroup, a God who does not experience changing plans as a loss, but actually as the working out of his will. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, for I know the plans I have for you. This is the Lord's declaration. Plans for your well-being, not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. Many of us know and love this verse. It has been printed on many a graduation card and mug and t-shirt. How wonderful that God promises well-being and future and hope. That's his plan for me. But if we're going to claim this verse, we also need to hold it in its proper context. This portion of the text in Jeremiah is being written to God's people who, because of their sin, were conquered by their enemies and carried from their homeland. They were in exile, living as captured foreigners. So they were the marginalized in a place that they were unfamiliar with, being ruled by people who were actually opposed to their identity as God's people. So God's not saying this verse to people who have future prospects that look bright. He doesn't say this to people who are experiencing momentum in their lives. 
I think it would be safe for us to say that all of the plans that they had for their lives, not just waylaid, but completely obliterated. So God is saying this to them, to a people who have no rights and no freedoms, who are limited at any plans that they can actually make. God is saying this to a people in a place of despair because what they had planned for their life is not happening now. God says to them, to that person, I know the plans I have for you. And where you are in this right now, in this hardship, it's still somehow a part of my plan. So the assurance we have is not in the prospects of our plans. The assurance is not in what we can make happen. The assurance is not in things going in the way we hope or want. The assurance is that when our plans are pulled out from underneath us, that God's plans always hold steady. That when our plans are upset in that uncertainty, we have the certainty that God's plans have not shifted one bit. And as God's children, holding fast to his plans is what orients us in a disorienting world. And at the same time, that is what empowers us to be able to take the risks that life requires in order for us to live in its fullness. For example, we have to think of Ruth. We have very little about her in the beginning, but Ruth's plan was obviously I'm going to marry, have babies, and spend my life in the security and provision of this family. But that plan was completely disrupted when death took her husband and took those who would be able to fill in those gaps for her. So her plan didn't just fail, but the backup plan wasn't even an option. But while her backup plan even failed, we know on our side of the story that God was working out something completely different. And the way that Ruth got through to God's plan in the grief and the struggle of her failed plans was by taking some really risky moves. Moving with her mother-in-law to this new place as a foreign widow, placing herself in a vulnerable position by gleaning in a place where women were often assaulted, and then presenting herself as available to a man in a scenario that could have gone south in a couple different ways. But her taking risks in faith, when there were no tangible plans of her own to cling to anymore, brought her about to God's plan, which was a plan for her well-being, and it gave her a future and a hope. If our planning and strategy is it, we're in big trouble. And how much hope and meaning you've placed in your plans is revealed when they are changed or taken from you. But the good news is that while we cannot place the fullness of our hope in our plans, we're not meant to. We are meant to hold them loosely remembering that God's plans always hold steady and his plans are for our ultimate good and they enable us to live more fully into what our lives are supposed to be. His plans are the only plans that are a sure thing. 
Second, God is steadfast when people fail us. We all know people fail us. We've experienced this. You might be experiencing this right now. And we trust people, not because we are foolish, but because we were created to be in relationship with one another. And genuine relationship requires an amount of trust. So trusting others is actually us living out our created purpose and being. But when people we trust don't pull through, or we find out they were not honest with us, or they betray us, it is frustrating and it is very painful. It can not only be a little jarring, but it can be traumatic when people who were stabilizing for us in our lives, people we thought, you'll never abandon me, people who have been so built into our lives that it's like they're a part of us, are suddenly out. Whether through loss or death or watching someone morph into someone you did not know that they actually were, Whether they abandon us because their desires and their goals pull them away from where they had been faithfully positioned in our lives. It's painful. People failing to be steadfast and present for us when they had been a part of what kept us stable or rooted or steady in some way, it can feel like a breakup or a death, whether it actually was one of those things or not. When people we thought were one thing reveal a part of them we didn't know about. And it means they're no longer someone I can count on. It can feel like the earth is being moved. And it can call so much into question for us personally. What did I miss? Am I ignorant that they believed this? That I believed that they were this person and now I realize they're not? Was I too trusting and will I be able to trust again? What is wrong with me that I thought they held me in a place of care and safety, but then other things easily became more of a priority? Were they fooling me or was I fooling myself? Why would someone who claimed to love me be willing to cause me such pain? And it also then can throw our security in our future into question when they were supposed to be a stabilizing part of it? What is my life supposed to even look like without them? With the ways that they were helpful for me, who will fill in those gaps, if anyone? How do I move forward without whatever wisdom or guidance or care or consistency that that relationship provided in my life? Like plans, people can become idols to us when we allow them to take the place of God as a part of our actual foundation. And people will always fail us if we are putting them in a preeminent place. And I think that people who were steady and faithful for us, suddenly not being that, that's a little bit more of a gut punch. That can cause more wounds to our hearts and our minds than when our plans fail us. Because in God's original design in Eden, the design was relational perfection, not between just us and God, but between us and each other. So anytime that is breached, it's like salt in that wound, that wound of the original sin. I had someone say to me this week, well, you know, you just can't trust people. 
And I probably said that at some point. Yeah, but the point is, is that we are designed to be able to. By God's design, this was supposed to be a place that we could find assurance and stability. Don't think, what's wrong with me for trusting people? That's you echoing Eden. (laughs) You desiring to trust people. That's the way it's supposed to be. The problem is, is that one of the dire effects of sin is that we've all become untrustworthy. Not just others, you are too. So just take care as I'm talking through this that you're not just thinking of people who've wronged you in this way. You failed in this too, and you may be right now. So if this is broken, because you cannot place your faith in others, and you also can't have others fully place their faith in you, if this is broken and this is the way it is, where is our relational dependency supposed to be rooted? What relationship is always steadfast and stable for us? Which relationship is a sure thing? It's our relationship with the only one who's not affected by that fall. The only one whose nature is completely unchanged by sin. One whose trustworthiness and dependability wasn't moved one bit. And that's our God. Our God that while everyone else is affected, he remains the same and always will be. Psalm 102, 25 through 28 says, Long ago you established the earth and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you will endure. All of them will wear out like clothing. You will change them like a garment and they will pass away, but you are the same. Your years will never end. And your servants' children will dwell securely, securely, and their offspring will be established before you. Future security here is found in what? That God is the same in all his years and his years have no end. While God is the only one who is steadfast when people fail us, this relationally for us is where in Christ we should be in the process of being made right again. So we were created to depend upon each other and we should be in Christ striving to repair those places. Never to usurp God's role as the most steadfast, but we are to be emulating him in this. Hear this from 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 22 to 25. Since you have purified yourselves by your obedience to the truth, so that you show sincere brotherly love for each other, from a pure heart, love one another constantly. Because you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and enduring word of God. For all flesh is like grass and all its glory like the flower of the grass. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And this word is the gospel that was proclaimed to you. 
So what we see here in this letter to the early church is that our God is steadfast, imperishable, and enduring. And we as his children, when transformed by the word of the gospel, we become partakers in what is steadfast. So in an unsteady world, by the blood of Christ, what is steadfast is a part of us. God in us and us being made new means we are remade again as those who are supposed to be steadfast for others because this is a way we image God and embody the gospel. When people fail us, God never will. But part of his will for us is that we would be back like we were in Eden, in relational perfection with one another, and that we from a pure heart, as it says here, would love one another constantly, consistently, in a manner that is steady because we have been born again of what is imperishable, of what is of God. So this fact that in Christ we are reborn back into what is imperishable, this reminder of the spiritual reality, is why when things are in chaos, when things are falling apart around us physically, that we are able to hold to what is stable and what is unseen. Because as we're in a place that's touched by sin and its effects, God is saying you anchor yourself in what is untouched by sin. It's almost like we live in these two realities that are very tightly connected. We are living out in the physical world what is spiritual. We take care to never put more hope in the physical than the spiritual because this physical will be remade and it is affected by the fall. It tries to make us think we can depend upon it for our stability, but it's fine. What is spiritual? What is of the kingdom? What is of God? What is permanent? What will endure forever? What is untouched by sin? That's where we put the fullness of our dependency while we exist in the physical space. In the latter portion of Hebrews 12, we have the author kind of unpacking old and new covenant and kind of explaining, this is why the new usurps and is more steady than the old. So as he's telling them this, he's explaining the new covenant then is what you put the fullness of your faith in. But hear what he says in the end of that passage, Hebrews 12, starting in verse 25. See to it that you do not reject the one who speaks. For if they did not escape when they, were, when they rejected him who warned them on earth, even less we will if we turn away from him who warns us in heaven. His voice shook the earth at that time, but now he has promised. Yet once more, I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. This expression, yet once more, indicates the removal of what can be shaken, that is, created things, so that what is not shaken might remain. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful. By it, we may serve God acceptably with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. I love this here because it's saying things are shaken. What doesn't last is what can be shaken. 
What is moved by the disruption is what is created, what is temporary. And what remains when everything is shaken up is what is meant to be unshakable, which is the things of the kingdom and the God who is on the throne. So our dependency and reliance, friends, is never meant to be in what can be shaken. In our plans, in our dreams, in our passions, in our family, in leaders, in tradition, in politics, in just following the path that culturally, culturally we are supposed to take. That's not where we are ever meant to ground ourselves. But here we see as gods, we ground ourselves in what is unshakable and what is unmoved and unchanged when things are falling apart or spinning out of control. As gods, we are created to root ourselves in the imperishable and shakable and the permanent. And not only do we have him to hold on to, this God and what is unseen, but this is also what empowers us to see this labor of renewal as worth it, as worth the effort when so much is constantly in flux. This is why we don't throw in the towel when our plans change. This is why in Christ we don't give up when someone throws us under the bus. This is why we refuse to veer off the course of our created purpose when a pandemic happens. This is why political leaders, when they're the worst, don't make us shrink back. Because 1 Corinthians 15, 58 says, Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, be steadfast, immovable, always excelling in the Lord's work, because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. So no matter what it is looking like around us right now, our call is to be steady in the midst of that with this reminder, it's always worth it. The only way we can be steady is when our lifeline is rooted first and foremost in a steadfast God. So church, when things do not pan out the way you hoped, when the job security you had is gone, when people you thought would be in your life forever leave, when the pandemic hits, it doesn't seem to end, when health issues derail your hopes, when somebody who meant a lot to you grows cold, when your financial issues pile up, when members of your family reject you, when the news is anxiety-inducing, when you are struggling to just even see through to a future that holds life. All you have is this, place your hope in dependency. At the end of the day, and the only one who not just will not fail you, but cannot fail you. And when you depend upon God as we're going through these things, it's still going to be hard. This isn't a promise that if you try to depend on God, you're just going to feel great all the time and skip through these things. We still live in the effects of sin right now. But depending upon God as your one and only stability is the only way in the midst of it to hang on to a hope that is actually permanent. It's the only way to be able to find your purpose and call in the midst of those challenges. It's the only way that you can actually have what is true bear you up 
It's the only way to be able to move forward in the chaos and uncertainty with your footing on something that when everything else is shaking, cannot be shaken. So thanks be to our God for the kind and gracious gift of his steadfast nature. The gift given to us as his children in the here and the now. In closing, I want to read a portion of Psalm 46. This is one of my favorites. And as I read this, just hear and imagine and feel just in your body these images of what it is that we are able to be unshakable when everything else is being shaken. Psalm 46 says, God is our refuge and strength, a helper who is always found in times of trouble. Therefore, we will not be afraid. We will not be afraid though the earth trembles and the mountains shake into the depths of the seas, even though its water roars and foams and the mountains quake with its turmoil. For there is a river, its streams delight the city of God, the holy dwelling place of the Most High. God is within her. She will not be shaken. God will help her when the morning dawns. Nations rage, kingdoms fall. The earth melts when he lifts his voice. But the Lord of armies is with us. The God of Jacob is our stronghold. Let's pray. Father, I thank you first and foremost that as many of us, if not all of us, as we are somehow navigating things that are causing us to feel knocked around or uncertain or even fearful. I thank you that you know what it is that we are experiencing in that, that we are not alone in that, that you understand the depth and the complexity, the emotions and the struggle and the pain that goes into those things. So I thank you that you are a God who sees that and who is close to us and is near in those things. And so I pray for those that need to just feel the reminder of your presence now that you would offer that to them by your grace. And Father, I thank you for where your word assures us that when those things happen at the end of the day, you are a God we can always depend upon fully, that you are not a God who changes when everything else does, that you are not a God who will abandon us fail us, that you are not a God who won't pull through. But I thank you that you are a God who is a sure thing for us. And that nothing can ever change that. So I pray for the spaces in our lives where we need to right now be understanding and feeling and experiencing the fullness of that reality. God, where we are struggling to even maybe believe that that is true, that you are this way, help us in those places of unbelief. And we ask for your help there because we know, Father, we cannot conjure that up on our own. So be gracious to your people in that today. 
and help us to be clinging to the right things. Help us to understand and see and know where, Father, we are placing a greater hope in what we should not. Help us to replace that with you. Help us to do that, Father, not just because it is the best thing for us, but because that is what displays your glory. We love you. We offer ourselves to you in this. In your name we pray. Amen. Hear the benediction. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or imagine, according to the power of the Holy Spirit at work within us, to him be glory, both in the church and in Christ Jesus, now and forever. Amen. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above ye heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, Thanks for listening to this message from Icon Community Church. Please visit us online at iconcommunitychurch.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.